Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us. On tonight's program, Julia Lee looks at the comeback of tech stocks right now and reveals her latest plays. And then Michael Wayne of Medallion Financial rates 10 tech stocks as tech stock prices are on the rise. And I let them reveal the mega double digit gains the analysts are predicting for those particular stocks. And then Paul Rickard tells us if it's too early to believe in tech stocks and the re-rating of those particular stocks. But he also rates BHP and Magellan. He asks the question, are they buys? or not. That's the program, so let's kick off now with Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great now, to be here, You are what I call a momentum trading fund manager. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you do tend to pick up on investing themes that you think are going to get bigger and better and you get onto them. And last week we saw tech stocks starting to get a little bit of a comeback. What's your take on the, on the comeback of tech stocks at this point in time? Sure, I think tech stocks are looking interesting here and definitely it does look like there was some turning point reached last week. And I guess if we have a look at the macro picture, the main thing that's been on investors' minds that has impacted on tech stocks is interest rates rising, especially in the US. Now we saw the first interest rate hike coming out of the US in March, um, so 25 basis points. And the Federal Reserve has really asked the Federal Reserve has really set out a plan in terms of interest rate hikes. So what's priced in this year is seven interest rate hikes and another four next year. And the market's quite comfortable with that now. But the reason for those interest rate hikes is that the US economy is doing very well and inflation, of course, is an issue. And as an investor, if you're talking, thinking and talking about inflation, then you want to have assets that that are going to beat the rate of inflation. Because what inflation does is it eats away at cash, the value of cash. It also eats away at the value of loans. So it's a good time to go out and get a loan at the moment. Um, but really you want investments to beat that inflation to uh, help offset that deterioration in the value of cash. Um, so usually you're looking for high growth companies, which of course have been hit hard in the lead up to the interest rate hike. But I think now that the market's quite comfortable with the interest rate forecast and the environment, it's now time to be looking more at growth stocks. I think in the tech space, there are some interesting companies here. Square, which is listed um, on our market now, thanks to its takeover of Afterpay, probably has a valuation north of about $200 and it's trading at about 180. So still looking undervalued there. Um, Altium, also there's some strong momentum coming into its business. It prints electric circuit boards. So that one's are looking quite good as well. And Zero has been smashed um, in the year-to-date so far, so looking like there's some value in that And so, well. is your thinking then that, you know, you're chasing those quality tech companies, is, is making a profit an important part of your assessment of a tech company? Yeah, I mean, in the past it wasn't when interest rates were at zero. Um, it was more about growth. But as interest rates rise, um, if you don't have any profit and cash flow coming through, then your valuation is going to deteriorate very rapidly in a rising interest rate environment. So it is important to back those more mature companies rather than the startup companies that do have a stable growth outlook as well as profit coming in through the door. So um, I guess the difference between um, the mega 
fintechs and the speculative space can really be seen seen here. So look, I think at these type of valuations that we're seeing now, the tech sector is certainly worth putting a little bit of money in. And of course, we heard from China last week that it'd be looking to stabilize its markets. And of course, some of the big tech giants there have been sold off quite severely as well. So not just US tech and Australian tech, but maybe a bit of Chinese tech as well. You mentioned Square and Square is a payments company. Uh, I've made the point on this program uh, recently that a great company like PayPal went from about $300 down to $100. Payment companies generally have been smashed. Do you think there's probably going to be a, a gradual re-evaluation of the future of payments companies? Sure. I guess when you're looking at companies in the type of year that we've had, one, you can look at the company fundamentals or what's happening under the hood in terms of the business. And secondly, you can look at the share price. Now, the share price action has been horrible in 2022 so far. But if you have a look at the fundamentals, there are some companies that have exceeded expectations that are showing some strong signs of momentum in terms of what they're doing in the business. And one of those companies is Altium and Square also in its last results beat expectations as well. So look, Square's I think an interesting one because we often link it to Afterpay, but really it is a payments company. So it is exposed to small and medium enterprises. It also helps get websites off the ground as well. So look, its share price has come down a lot. But in terms of that earnings result, it was actually quite a good earnings mm. result. So here, you know, the fundamentals and the technicals have been saying something different. But now we're seeing the share price playing okay. a bit of catch up. So the two are pointing yeah, in over the right the years, direction. You've always shown me that you're a chicken when it comes to falling knives. You don't like stocks that you describe as being falling <laughs> knives. Is Magellan still a falling knife, do you think? Yeah, I think the reason why I don't like falling knives is that I do like numbers, Pete, and I've gone back in time and I always look at best performers and worst performers. And often you think those companies that are the worst performers are looking relatively cheap. But if you look at historically as a group, they usually underperform not only the best performers on the market, but the market as a whole. So I guess the big question is, you know, is, does Magellan have a strategy in place to turn around what's caused its underperformance? Um, and so, look, I would prefer to see the seeds of a turnaround in place before I invested in the stock, because I think it's very difficult to pick those turning points. And, you know, if you've got 10 underperforming stocks and you invest mm. in 10 of them, two or three of them might turn out to be good turnaround plays and the rest yeah. just keep. The, the reason why I'm asking you this, because um, a lot of um, Hamish's old exposure was to tech companies and Chinese companies as well. And, and both of those seem to be in a much better space, not much better, a better space than say a year ago. Um, like we know Jack Ma is now findable. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think President Xi is probably gonna be less aggressive towards his tech companies. And, um, and tech companies generally seem to be better. Is, is that at least, a good reason to, to wait to see if Magellan can um, start rising from these levels? 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Pete. Um, you've got the actual funds that invest in different investments, and then you have the fund manager. And the fund manager share price has been coming under pressure because of outflows. But in terms of the funds, the outlook is probably looking much better here. So if you were to look at investing in a Magellan fund, certainly the ones with exposure to big tech, I think, are looking better. And if we do see a performance turnaround, then hopefully we start to see uh, those outflows starting to slow down. I think the problem is the way that funds are um, rated means that if you have instability in terms of management and the board, which we've seen in terms of Magellan, then often those ratings agencies will pull back from recommending those uh, companies. So there's a flow on effect in getting money in through the door. So I think if you're investing in Magellan um, MFG, then you're looking for a slowing of the outflows. And if you're investing directly into the funds, then I think certainly it's looking interesting because of those big tech investments, as well as those investments. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thanks for having me, Pete. <laughs>Well, my next guest is Michael Wayne of Medallion Financial, and I'm interested to see what he's seeing in this tech stock slight rebound we're seeing right now. We know that high interest rates have spooked a lot of people out of the tech stocks, and many have been smashed. And the, the one I point out often to a lot of the people have been asking about tech stocks, PayPal was a $300 stock last year, now it's down around 100. It may well rebounded last week, not quite sure, I haven't checked that one out. But I, I do know that Block was up, which of course bought Afterpay when it was called Square. It was up 40% last week, uh, and other ones were significant rises next week, last week. So I'm keen to see if he thinks this is the beginning of a tech re-rotation back into stocks that were also um, really given a, a real going over uh, some months ago. Great to see you, mate. Good to see you, Peter. Are you having the same sneaky question, you know, is this sort of the, the change for tech stocks? I think, I think you've got to sort of keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, you look at the NASDAQ and then, you know, there was about 50% of businesses on average, so down 50%. Mm. So huge, it's it? huge moves below the surface. The index itself wasn't down as much as that. Um, but there's been a lot of good quality businesses that have come back a long, long way. And it's a very similar situation here in Australia. Um, you look at the Aussie market, the ASX, you know, is down or was down about 10% at the worst of it. But you take out some of those commodity companies, you know, BHP making up 10% of the index. And there's mm. a lot of high quality companies that have just come back a long way. So I do think that you know, markets tend to get overly negative on the downside, overly optimistic on the upside. Mm. And I think it makes sense to be trying to look at some of those quality names, which on a two, three, four year view, mm. you can have a lot of confidence in. And what is also interesting is that it, it, I, I can't see how the Ukraine-Russian peace possibility talks with, with those. It had to be linked to Jerome Powell and what he said and therefore implied about interest rates created the opportunity for tech to start making a move in the positive direction? Yeah, I mean, you saw on the day, the announcement initially came out, markets were a bit weaker, but then as the day went on, ever since then, we've seen this pretty significant rally. Um, mm. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be surprised that once this little, little euphoria phase <laughs> yeah. passes that we get a bit of a retracement. Yeah. 
but I think it just gives the market a bit of confidence that how they've priced in these rate rises mm. is somewhat accurate, at least for now. Yeah. I think the market's expecting seven rate rises in the US. Yeah. Um, if information and data comes out, which leads the market to change their forecasts, say they expect eight, nine interest rate rises, mm. then you'll see, I think, tech companies again come under pressure. Yeah. Likewise, if we start to see inflation taper off for whatever reason, the oil price come back, mm. that might see people par their expectations to five or six rate rises, in yeah. which case tech could continue to rally yeah. quite strongly. And, and that's the interesting thing is that you've got the possibility that he doesn't need to be as aggressive because maybe commodity prices do come off the boil, oil prices come off the boil. And also, it seems to me that the market is, is respecting the strength and the growth of the US economy more now than they were you know, some time ago. Well, that's right, and that's the comments coming out of the Fed. They were very concerned about a recession at all, mm. um, whereas they only a couple out, of weeks they? ago, yeah, they pretty much ruled it out. And a couple of weeks ago, you're getting headlines again about stagflation, mm. um, which is basically a situation where inflation is roaring away, um, interest rates are forced to go up in a situation where the economy is slowing significantly. And he kind of ruled that scenario out, which gave a lot of people confidence to at least start dipping their toe back into the water yeah. with some of these more growth orientated names. Yeah, and, and for someone like you, you know, you do look around for value and some of these companies have been over smashed and, and I'm going to run through a lot of well-known Aussie names, give, you know, I'll see what you think yeah. and I'll also see what the analysts are saying about these companies and I think some people would be surprised that some of the, the better quality ones uh, are not really loved that much by the, the analysts because they actually have been loved. Yeah. And WiseTech's a case. I'll jump straight to WiseTech yeah. because WiseTech has done pretty well and the analysts think there's like a point, uh, a 9% fall in its price, but it has done well compared to its, the others that were in that wax yeah, group. the wax group. I mean, WiseTech's probably been the better one in the last 12, 18 months. It's yeah. continued to report extremely well, exceeding expectations. Mm -hmm. And the fact is people have probably herded into that name out of some of the other mm. wax type businesses. So I think on a relative basis, there are better alternatives than WiseTech, although yeah. it's been going from strength to strength, I yeah. think, in the it's last couple of years. It's been a great reward. It hasn't been oversold or anything. That's like right. That. Yeah. Okay, let's start with the, what I think is like the, the blue chip of the tech stocks, mm -hmm. uh, Zero. Yes. Um, and I, I, I believe that they're setting up a headquarters in Hawthorne, Melbourne this week as well. A press release came out. I like Zero, and I think the market's gone too far in the opposite direction. What do you think about Zero? Yeah, Zero is one we've actually been buying over the last week or mm. so. Yeah. Um, anything you know, sub $100, we think on a long-term basis will be fairly attractive. We see mm. these like wild moves with Zero a few times yeah. in recent They're years. They're profit takers, aren't they? It's, I'm not sure what it is. It could be the, the bots or whatever it may be. You'll probably have to take a survey of everyone that's, that's bought or sold it. But it's a very high quality business. They've turned profitable in the last sort of 12, 18 months. Mm. Um, they continue to grow very, very nicely over in, in the UK and in the US and continue to chip away in Australia um, and New Zealand. So we think that's a business that's made the transition to a profit making company that will continue to to do quite well. Yeah, analysts think 17% upside. Let's go to uh, another quality one, NextDC. Yeah, NextDC, this isn't one that we've held for a while. It was pretty extreme valuations there yeah. for some time. Um, it has, did report very well though in February, yeah. um, like a lot of companies did. So that's a business that we don't own, we haven't been buying it, but you could definitely put it on your watch list. But mm. it, 
look, they continue to build more and more data centers, their capacity continues to increase, mm. the demand for their products remains and is only expected to continue growing. It's kind of like a blue chip growing. company, you expect to shoot the lights out, but they won't let you down over time. That's what, I, that's what I, that's, I'll have it as a hold, but it's not one we've been buying, so I can't give it a buy. Right, here's another one I think you introduced me to, is Megaport. Now, yep. Bevan Slattery, who I then interviewed after I talked to you, he has recently reduced his exposure. He still owns 5% of the company. Yeah. Well, what did you think when you heard that story? Well, yeah, that was, it forced the share price down about 8 or 9% mm. on Friday. Um, he still owns a big chunk. Yeah. He gave a commitment for what it's worth to hold remaining stock for at least six months or more. Mm. You have to remember someone like Bevan invested very, very early on. He's done incredibly well out of that position. Yeah. So it makes sense from a- His family might like him to realise some profit. Or, or diversify away from, you know, having too much exposure to one business. But this mm. is a company, again, that reported extremely well yeah. in February. Um, we would have a preference for Megaport over Next DC mm. at this stage. And when you consider Megaport was $20 not that long ago, $13 at the moment, yeah. and the business fundamentally is probably improved, yeah. um, then we're confident. And this is a company, again, that's meant to be turning profitable in the next six months or so. Yeah, and I like the idea of Megaport is that uh, as the world gets more and more back to normal, yeah, people are going to need to use the kind of services it provides. Yeah, 100%. They call it a network as a service. Basically, you can tap in to access these different networks. Mm whenever you need the capacity. Um, and it's in a very attractive product. They've got great relationships with you know, the Amazons, Googles of this world. Mm. Um, so we think that that's a, a, a very good business. Okay, another one who I think has been over smash, and I, I talk about it a lot, because I've, I've, yeah, I've lost some money on this one, but it's also part of my Zeke group of stocks, Tyro. Tyro seems yeah. to be, be smashed, but payments companies have been smashed. I guess I'm, I'm hopeful that the, the uptick from Block will probably roll into all the payments companies. Yeah, look, I mean, I must admit I haven't been following Tyro too closely in the mm. last sort of six months or mm. so. I see they had a decent move on the market today. And again, it could be some of that bargain hunting, but mm. Tyro has been a, a, a good business now for a, a long period of time. It might not be growing as quickly as some of those other yeah. tech names, but in terms of the technology, it's, it's very good quality. They've been targeting a lot of small, medium sized businesses, pretty much the area which the banks don't focus on. Um, they had a big exposure to hospitality, which had been struggling, obviously, due to yeah, COVID. Have been good for that, yeah. But that's starting to recover again, and that will help uh, with a number of volume and transactions going through their, their merchants. Okay. So we, we'll have a hold on Tyro, but it's not one that we've been buying. Yeah. So Megaport, by the way, analysts think 38% upside. Tyro, analysts think 63% upside. Another one in my Z-Stock Zip, it's mm -hmm. up today as well, I noticed. And it, it's obviously a payments company. Got really got, the share price got unbelievably low, fifty-five percent upside. Yeah. The analyst think. Yeah, Zip's a, a tough one. It's sort of been left behind in the coverage by some of these other names. But Zip has been doing a lot. They obviously had the big acquisition in the US. Mm. They've recently announced something as well in that sort of in that same space. Sezzle um, was the... Sezzle, sorry. Yeah. Sezzle yeah. was the, the most recent update. Yeah. So they continue to be proactive, looking to build scale. Yep. Um, we've never been a holder of Zip. Um, it's tempting to look at it at these levels, but you could argue that when it was at $10 or whatever it was, that was an extreme valuation. That yeah. was when the whole well, sector was, was running hot. Well, after pay was $150, $160. was $150, $160. So Zip around these levels probably feels more justified. Yeah. Um, and that considering its growth path, we think that these levels are probably more realistic. Yeah. Well, what I've given a lot of chances to is Appen. 
Um, didn't like the, 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 the last story about Facebook and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Analysts think a 0.5% um, upside. Well, what's your view on Appen Appen's nowadays? Appen's one we held probably four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, we decided to sell out because there was a lot of coverage around the fact that although it is categorised as a tech business, it is very capital and labour intensive. Labour intensive, yeah. Um, and, the, and the problem always we thought for Appen was once they got to a certain size, um, maybe the companies that they're servicing wouldn't require their services as much anymore. They might bring all these things in-house. Yeah. So the way to think about Appen's business model, if you think about a, a self-driving vehicle, they've got to go and label stop signs. Mm. So you have you know, thousands and, and thousands of images with red stop signs and there's humans actually putting into the computer that that's actually mm. a stop sign. So you can see how it is quite labour intensive and it doesn't have the dynamics that many other tech businesses have. Yeah. And it's had... I forgot, I've lost count, probably five, six, seven profit misses or downgrades mm. in the last couple of years. So no yeah. point from my standpoint. To and I think they're also having problems with the fact that there's accusations that their work is, um, um, in a sense, uh, affecting consumers. Like they're, 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 they're working at what consumers do and a lot of the, the tech companies have been accused of using that information yeah. inappropriately. And I think that being linked to that hasn't helped them. Um, next one is Elmo Software. Uh, analysts think 110% yeah. upside. This company seems to do well, but the market never gets too <laughs> excited about. Yeah, it's one I've been sort of following and pretty closely for probably three, four years. Mm. Um, it's had moments where it's looked like it's about to take off and then for whatever reason has come back. And it's been range bound now for a number of years. And the problem is, I don't know what I don't know what's causing that yeah. because the company, well the too, company reports very well. They set expectations low. They always sort of exceed just slightly. Mm. Um, when you look at you know the, the multiple it trades on relative to a zero, although they're not like for like businesses 100. percent There mm. are similarities there. It mm. trades on very low multiples. So you've got a situation where the share price has just been oscillating sideways, yet the business has been improving. Mm. So. I think if you've got some patience uh, over time, this one will come to fruition. Yeah. But for the moment, it just seems unloved for whatever reason. And it's interesting you make the comparison with Zero because they actually complement Zero mm. because they're heavily into payroll. But they, they they probably are suffering the fact that Zero share price is down, so therefore its well, share yeah. price is down. And another thing I'd, I'd throw in about about these guys is they they have an interesting acquisition in in Breathe. And Breathe is like like where they take their medium-sized business model to a small business model. Yeah. And I guess that's going to be an interesting testing point for where this company goes. Well, that's right. I mean, Breathe was a, a UK-based company, but there's has a lot of similarities between the two, mm. and it gives them access to new markets and, and slightly different modules as well. So one to keep an eye on, although if the markets do take off, I don't necessarily think Elmo is going to be the one that jumps first. No. There might be others. Yeah, it might get in the tailwind. EML has had a problem with the yeah. Central Bank of Ireland. Um, it, it also has taken off and then been brought back by those sorts of things. Yeah. What do you think about EML? It's tough because they went and did this large-scale acquisition in Ireland. Mm. They raised a lot of money to do that. They even maybe took on some debt from memory. Mm. Um, and it's hard because what they were expecting to get out of that acquisition, the revenue numbers, customer mm. numbers, just hasn't been able to come to fruition. Um, effectively, it was sort of anti-money laundering type activity that the Done central the, bank was the company concerned that took about. over, wasn't it? Really, that's right. Mm -hmm. So that there might be limits on the the value they can place on some of these gift cards, and that would seriously affect 
the value of that acquisition. So from mine, I think there's too much negativity around that. And when you've had so many good names pull back such a long way, I don't think you need to be chasing those with other yeah. issues. And that's the reason why I'm actually running through a whole list of yeah. interesting names and you, you can prioritise the one you want to chase. Um, one that you always liked is AD8, Ordinate. Yep. Uh, the analysts think 47% upside. Have you changed your view on Ordinate? No, there's been nothing really to, to change the view from a long-term standpoint. Um, they've had some issues in the short term with supply chains. They're mm. just struggling to meet their, their order book. Stuff coming out of China, not coming out of China. Not coming out. And, the, and they're trying to find workarounds, which takes a bit of time. Um, but I think the positive side is there's definitely demand momentum in that company. It's mm. just that they're struggling to meet that. Mm. But it's also like the way that the business operates, there's a bit of a lag between when they sign up a new customer or a customer embeds their product to when mm. they actually get paid and see the revenue come through from that. Mm. So at the moment you look at the balance sheet, it doesn't look that amazing in terms of revenue growth, but very quickly over time, as their protocol is embedded in more and more um, electronics, they're gonna see that revenue kick up. So. Mm. We still like it, we think it's a very good quality and the fact that it's sort of basically a monopoly in that space at the moment, growing many multiples times the nearest competitor, we yeah. think it's worth persisting Its with. nearest competitor is? The nearest competitor is, I don't well, actually we, know. Well, didn't you, you, know, you make the point that this is like a private version it's of, of Bluetooth. Bluetooth. It's, it's effectively, the thing is, it's kind of a, a new concept. This is why there's no real like for like competitor in that. Yeah. If you think about the old cords that you put together, your different electronics, it removes the needs for those cords and it's like a stronger version of Bluetooth, which allows different pieces of equipment to communicate. So are you saying that some businesses wouldn't use Bluetooth, even though Bluetooth yeah. works nice for the consumer? That's right. If you're doing a big concert, for example, and you wanted all your people around the grounds to be connected, is yeah. ordinate the kind of technology that, that, that we, that we That's use? That's right. So different speakers on either side of the field can all be linked up yeah. without the need for all the cords. And it's a lot more powerful than Bluetooth to, yeah. to, to, to use. But this is a, a new concept. So it's going to take time to grow. But you, it's, and I guess it's first spoken share prices well as excitable tech heads who realise yeah. how great this is. But the market becomes so a if you think about like a Yamaha or Bang & Olsen or, or Bose mm. or whatever it is, they are the companies that build the electronics mm. and they now are embedding this Ordinate protocol into their systems, which yeah. will allow them. So it's all new electronics coming to market will include yeah. this. A lot of yeah. the older ones don't. Yeah. But over time, as these things continue to come to market, that will continue to boost demand for them. Okay. They're also moving into the, the, the video, digital video space as well, whereas in the past it's that's all audio. That's fairly popular nowadays. Well, that's right. That's <laughs> another huge growth area. Yeah. That's Michael Wayne from Medellin Financial. Well, I wanted to catch up with Paul Rickard about some of the interesting developments in the market, in particular the fact that we've seen tech stocks improving. Uh, last week they improved, NASDAQ was up 8%, as I said earlier in the pro program. And uh, today, uh, tech stocks are also up again. So Paul, do you think this is a re-rotation back in tech stocks or is it a sneak preview of what might happen? Yeah, look, I think it's more a sneak preview, Peter. I think the correction is still, which is largely what we've seen, a big correction in tech stocks. This is just a bit of the rebound it got too overdone. Mm. Bit stronger in the US, Peter. There's been more of a rebound in the US than mm. there is, is here in Australia. They probably sell off harder, did they? they well, I don't some know. Of our companies some, going some of our companies have gone pretty far. Yeah. I, I suspect we're not yet ready to um, 
see a rotation back into tech. We're going to get some corrections, right? Mm -hmm. Things went too far, they always do. Markets always overshoot both on the upside yep. and the downside. Uh, I think you get a, what what support you ask it would be more on the quality stock. So mm. I would think in this environment, it sticks with the quality. Mm. Um, I think it's too early yet to sort of... Yeah. I, all I is forgiven. Rush, I don't think all is forgiven with tech. I mean, you've got to remember that by and large, the, the, the thing that really upset the market in the first place was that they, you know, higher interest rates. Yeah. And, and although you can argue about, you know, present value of you know, future earnings and the rest of the stuff, you know, that there still was a logical reason why tech stocks came down. Mm. And, you know, US bond rates are now higher today than they were a month ago or three months ago or six months ago. So there's a reason. So they're, they're almost at their high. So mm. there's a reason why tech stocks got sold off. Uh, valuations were over the top. Uh, and so that, that reason hasn't yet gone away. So I suspect there's a bit more pain to come. Okay. So, um this would be an interesting question for a lot of our viewers, Paul. You know, and you, you made the reference about how rising interest rates affects the present value and all that sort of stuff. But also, they are called growth companies, aren't they? And was a, a, was a bit of the concern in the US, US that interest rates rising quickly could really choke off growth, and that wasn't but. Jerome Powell is sort of more positive on growth, wasn't he? Yeah, look, there's, 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 quite, there's a quick power power. I mean, you've mm. got to say the whole thing with Ukraine has changed the situation again because, mm. uh, you know, forecasts for world growth have now come down a bit yep. and the, the US Fed has reduced its growth forecast for the US, which yep. is going to make it a bit harder. And if trade gets constrained, you know, you know, I dare say a lot of the tech stocks were selling into Russia, <laughs> you know, some, a lot of, yeah. lot of their... Uh, the software and, and some of the other services. Even the employees there yeah, in both, both countries. Yeah, and mm. so they, they've had to pull back there. So that's going to, the, the, the environment's not as conducive as it was a few months ago. So I think that's, you know, if interest rates go too high, that's going to, you know, the, the Federal Reserve is going to be worried about constraining growth, constricting yeah. growth too much. So, but I don't think it's, uh, we're out of the woods yet. Yeah. So I think the rotation, re-rotation may come back yeah. later in the year. Yeah, to me, it's a sneak preview, and people who buy tech now just have to be patient. But I, I think one day there will be a, yeah. for the reason you pointed out, you know, a company like PayPal was 300, went down to 107 or something like that. That seems like an excessive sell-off. And by the way, also because in America, they don't have the same kind of stocks that we have here that are doing well during the war. Uh, financials, well, financials not so much, but certainly mining and energy have been good for us. A lot of our fund managers wouldn't be prepared to get out of them now to go into tech. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, you know, there's only so many dollars that can go into the market. Managers, are, uh, professional fund managers are really worried about, you know, how they go against their peers. Yeah. One of the reasons that they, you know, they, there's a bit of herd mentality is you can't afford to take too much of a position against the market. So mm. if all the money is going into financials, and resources because they are benefiting from some of the uh, you know, geopolitical instability and other factors. You know, it's very, very, it's a very high risk strategy to go and put a lot of money into tech mm. with a lot of money going into the major sectors. So yep. Yep. I think that's another reason, Pete. Okay, you've been a great fan of BHP and, and where well, you not as much Rio, but just they've done well together. Um, is it still? Is it too late to buy BHP? Look, I, I don't. I mean, uh, I wrote a couple of weeks ago when they got up to be fifty dollars. I still think you've got to be a long BHP. Wait for a bit of a pullback. We had some. I think this is this is a market to be at least index weight. So BHP's weight in the market at the moment is about eleven percent. Mm. Most investors are well under that. Yeah. 
Uh, I think this is the time you have to play this. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, I think it'd be, again, like all these, this market's going to give us opportunities. Things just don't run away straight away, and uh, we, we mm. see that. So I think BHP is still reasonable value. Okay, and what about Fortescue? It hasn't been doing as well. What, what's going on I'm, there? I'm less, con I'm less, I'm more, I'd rather than BHP simply because the quality of the, of the minerals is higher. Fortescue, I think, is getting a bit of... Um, Green backlash? A bit of green, well, anti-green backlash. I yeah. think the market's worried whether a lot of the money's profits might get diverted into some of the so-called green initiatives. Mm. I think that's, um, uh, I'm not sure that, that Twiggy's got the market quite on side with the pace he wants to deliver. Mm. Uh, plus their, their grade of material is, is lower and that, that's subject to margin risk. So I, I think it's been more a fact that the, we've seen a few bit of change in Fortescue and, and uh, you know, people don't know quite how much money is going to come back to shareholders, how much is going to be invested in these other initiatives. Mm. And there's, where there's doubt, you know, investors tend to say, well, I don't need to be in something there's doubt. There are alternatives. Okay. Is it time to punt on Magellan Financial Well, I think that's group? a gutsy call still. Um, and uh, when I say gutsy, it is, you know, you can't but argue it's still the falling knife, right? Mm. So has, has Magellan bottomed? Yeah. Um, the issue for Magellan is fundamentally about investment performance, right? And while you've got investment, investment performance has been under par, you've had some big institutional outflows, you've got planners, uh, some planners who are moving their clients out of yeah. uh, Magellan. That all takes time, but it's happening. And when you're getting funds outflow, obviously that will impact future earnings. And yeah. that's why you've seen the share price continue to be punished. And the market got a bit excited the other, the other day when they announced $5 billion worth of funds outflow. So the secret of turning Magellan around is you want to see improved investment performance. Yeah. Now, we only get data on that every month. I haven't seen anything to suggest that yet that the investment yeah. performance is back on top. Now, I think that the, the move getting um, Brett back um, was... Uh, was was a good Brett or Chris? Uh, sorry, Chris. Chris. You back. always get Brett. Yeah, I don't Brett know why I get, Brett, yeah, get I get the two confused. Yeah, but yeah. but Chris McKayback yeah. was was the right step. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of his investments may have done a bit better last week because we know that they're a little, had a, quite a big exposure in China. We've seen some of the Chinese uh, major Chinese tech, well, tech yeah. stocks rally, and also we know that they had how he looked at some of their exposure and some of the big uh, U.S. consumer names or consumer discretionary names, people like Meta and. Mm. Uh, with Facebook, obviously, and, yeah. and, uh, and they've also done all right. So it could well be the performance is getting back on track, mm. um, but you have no data yet yeah. to say that. So yeah. It's I'm, for the thrill seekers still. I think Magellan is still in the... It, look, there's no doubt it's fundamentally cheap. There's no mm. doubt that uh, it's got a, you know, it, it's got a very deep, loyal retail, share, retail, retail funds um, buy, uh, buy, buy client base mm. who invest in their funds. Uh, and it's had a great long-term performance, but it's fundamentally struggled the last couple of years because of investment performance. Mm. Uh, and we need to, I think you need to see data. So I'm wary of the cat the falling knife, Pete, and say, yeah. I want to see, when I see their funds management performance start to get back on track, yeah. then I think you buy Magellan. But, yeah. you know, this could be the low today, you know. Yeah. Um, so who knows just how that plays out. Yeah, and I asked Paul that because Paul is a very cautious man. If he said, yes, it's time to buy, it would be time to buy, but good advice. It, it still is in that very tricky area. It's for the thrill seekers at this point in time. You make the, the fair point that a lot of the stuff that they invest in is starting to look better, so it might show up in their returns um, soon. 
But this is a, a company that's under a lot of pressure and I have to do a lot to um, change the attitude. One last thing before we go, mate. Um, you know, um, talking about tech stocks, uh, we had um, Eleanor Swanston from Firetrail on the program mm -hmm. some months ago when she tipped Megaport. And Megaport, of course, was her selection at the yep. Son conf conference, Hearts and Minds conference. But then we learned that one of the big shareholders, Bevan Slater, is sold out <laughs> a, a big chunk of his, his, his investment. He was, I think he had 12, it went down to 5%. It was still, it was still a big holding in the company. So I, I've just talked to her this morning, and uh, she made the point that I still like Megaport. They were buyers of the stock as well. So for those people out there who might have been worried about the investment in Megaport, um, a big supporter uh, was Eleanor um, Swanson. She still is, and she makes the point that Bevan Slater still holds a lot in the company. Yeah, and I, think, I think that's worth, worth noting. I think maybe if I could just throw something to you, Pete. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that uh, people are now going to start to focus on the next few weeks is electoral risk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and look, I think there's a whole lot of data. That, you know, you want to talk about this at some stage around... Uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing, if, if, but you've got to now be based, but I think as an investor, you're now going to be assuming there's going to be a change of government. Yeah, right? I think so too. Right? And uh, that could make it, our markets just a little tricky yeah. uh, over the next couple of weeks, notwithstanding a budget next Tuesday. So, yeah, that's uh, right. And, yeah. and I think specific companies could be negatively affected. History shows that the overall market is not all that badly affected by an election, a lot, a lot less than we expect. And there's often a rebound no matter who wins, and that's probably the, the interesting thing. But certainly some companies could be in trouble once the Labor Party's policies are, are revealed, and even the budget could uh, as well. Well, maybe we don't actually find out much because it seems like uh, they're not going to say a lot, uh, yeah. Pete. But look, this may be something down the track. But mm. I, just, uh, I just caution you know, the, the market. Uh, you know, I think people have been a bit... bit complacent about the electoral issue yeah. uh, and uh, it's not to say that it, it will necessarily be bad longer term but you know you, now you've got to say there's a high probability that uh, Anthony Albanese is going to be the next Prime Minister. Yeah. Uh, okay the polls could be wrong but uh, you know I, I think that argument is, is weak yeah. um, and South Australia was absolutely spot on. Yeah voted exactly as the polls said and uh, the polls don't look good yeah. and this is a huge thing. So uh, I would be assuming a change of government and I think investors need to think that through. So we could have an interesting sort of yeah. six to eight weeks, notwithstanding positive leads in the US, whatever's happening, where our market just isn't ready yeah. to uh, rock and roll. So, And I should prepare, I should prepare voters out there for something that could be really unusual. I actually met the new uh, Labor Premier two weeks ago when I did a speech in Adelaide for the Master Builders Association. And he's a, he's a very um, uh, intelligent and yep. you can see why he's one kind of guy. Uh, but apparently, uh, I was told by one of his fellow MPs that one of the big turning points in the whole um, polls was when he took his shirt off. So wait for Albo, <laughs> wait for Albo, the new and improved and much skinnier Albo could whip off the shirt sometime. Apparently, it had a very big impact on the polls. That's Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. And that's the show for tonight. And don't forget, we're back on Thursday. And if you want to get more insights into the sort of stocks that we like right now, have a look at the Switzer Report at switzerreport.com.au. Once again, thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.